I always tell songwriters, like, no one's going to beg you to write another song. It's like a garden. It's your garden. Nobody's going to tend your garden for you. You have to do it. You have to get up in the morning and write that song. Or write that sermon in such a way that it, it has creative parts to it that you didn't do before. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. Hosts James Curtis talk to artists and industry insiders to discover the connection between music and faith. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at between grooves. Hey, welcome to Between the Grooves. It's your look at music ministry and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. Today, a chat with someone who is a worship leader, singer, songwriter, speaker, and author. He's written over 200 songs. On any given Sunday, you're likely to hear one of them in your church. We'll be talking about writing music, helping out the small independent artists, managing your time, social media, and making hymns new again. From Los Angeles, California, Tommy Walker on Between the Grooves. You don't want to know. I get up at two thirty. Sorry, I get up. Oh. At, I get up at two. Oh, yeah. And if, but I'm a morning person, so I, I I do some of my show prep early in the morning too. Yeah, but you've passed the line. That means you're a night person. <laughs> well, so yeah, early. yeah. I guess uh, <laughs> technically, I suppose. Yeah. The one thing that strikes me about you, Tommy, is you've managed to hang on to your job for well over thirty years. Yep. That's uh, that's quite a feat, if I can say. And, and quite frankly, I'm sure many people have knocked on your door over the years as well. Yeah. So uh, where, where to begin? Like I, I, I moved to L.A. to go to music school from Texas. And um, I was looking for a church, a smaller church, because quite an introvert. Not as much anymore. But I, I remember my mom telling me, don't wait for the perfect moment in time for God to use you. But give your gifts away in some way, like right now. So I found this little church and I just walked up to the pastor and I said, you don't know me, but I'm, I'm here to serve. So I ended up starting playing guitar on the worship team. And then eventually I, I became the worship leader. And But partly what was in my mind was being at one church for a really long time it's like a marriage, you know, so there's been a lot of forgiveness on both sides, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of patience, a lot of just believing that if I could be planted in one place, it would be valuable for me and my kids, and it would be hopefully valuable for the church. So I've just, I just kind of made a decision to be a a church guy, and, and, um, I, it is so rare, but it has been such an amazing blessing. And and uh, Christian Assembly was just a place where... Well, the other part of the story is I'm a songwriter, you know. So I was p- putting out my demos back in the day. I put them on cassettes and, and pass them around. Do you know, remember what cassettes are? Oh, <laughs> oh I, I know what cassettes are. I still have some kicking around. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways... You know, being rejected here and there, and then I remember I was talking to my pastor about it. He says, "Well, why don't you write songs for Christian Assembly?" And I thought, "Well, nobody else wants my songs, so 
uh, that was the late <clears throat> about 1990. Mm-hmm. Speaking of how historic I am, <laughs> and uh, and so I thought I'll. I wasn't writing congregational type worship songs, but I thought, let me try to do this for my church. And the more, really, the moral of the story is when I started wanting to be a blessing to my church, that's when God really began to bless me. And so then we we made like a church worship CD and started making those. And then my songs in that way started getting <laughs> passed around to record companies and people looking for worship songs partly because I try to tell worship songwriters this like if you write a song for your church it becomes your church's song instead of just your song mm-hmm. and people really own it anyways the Christian Assembly I I, I want to say has been so good to me through the years because they allowed me uh, to turn our church into I call it the great worship laboratory we could just kind of try anything Mm -hmm. plus we also had a bunch of just world class session players from the LA area beginning to attend so then I was like well I can write anything crazy and they'll play it great you know So it was a real setup, a divine setup, where it was such a wonderful, and has been, and still is a wonderful fit for me. And so I've stuck around. And and so, yeah, my kids grew up going to one church, and now my two sons are actually the youth pastors at our church, and I'm still there. It's great for family stability because I find a lot of times if you're if you're church hopping for the job, um, it's really tough on the family. It's tough on the kids. You know they gotta they gotta find new friends. They gotta get used to a new way of doing things. So that's definitely admirable. And and I don't know a lot of people that would have that advantage unless they were truly committed to their local church. And the other thing I've got to say is. The fact that your pastor suggested you start writing songs for your church, I think a lot of other churches have finally figured that out over the years. Yeah, it's it's a it's a passion of mine for Christian songwriters to to write for the church because it, it was such a blessing for me. As a matter of fact, um, we can talk about this later. But I I started a nonprofit called Tommy Walker Ministries where we give away all our music and resources through donations and all that. But we, we had a donor give a gift, a large gift towards scholarships, and I just had this idea, especially internationally, there's no, there's no setup for publishing for any possible way for somebody in some of these countries to ever receive a penny for writing a worship song, any kind of song. And so... We just we just sending the money out as we speak a, a a certificate of congratulations and people sent in their worship songs that they and I made sure that I said don't send me just your songs you're trying to shop your songs this is a song that you've done in your church that has really engaged the people in worship and so from many nations and I think it turned out to be like around 50 different people were just sending a bit of money and a certificate saying go for it keep writing for your church and and just to encourage them to, to keep going and so I'm praying it will help spark even more 
and more of this. We want the songs for the church to come from the church. I think that's mm-hmm. the best way to do it. How many people are sending you stuff? I mean, I'm the music director at the radio station. I get tons and tons of stuff. I probably have about 600 unopened emails of stuff that gets sent to me because I just don't have time to listen to it all. Yeah, well, it was only about uh, about 60. But here's the thing, as I said, I don't want to hear all your songs, your pitching a song. This has to be a song, and you're going to have to have your pastor sign oh. and confirm that this is a song that you've sung, that you wrote for your church, and your church has sung it at least three times. <laughs> so yeah. that, Good. imagine how many people that cut out, you know? Yeah. Because I'm trying to write, I'm trying to encourage people that are being faithful to their church and writing songs very specifically for their church. And so, that, and we, and on, not only that, we had a like two month window when people could do it. So okay, yeah. no, that sounds exciting. That's definitely the way to get new music out there and get people familiar with some of this music from other countries because you're so used to hearing that North American sound or or you know the Hill Song from Australia or whatever else. Uh, yeah. It's nice for the for the the little guy to get a chance, you know. Yeah, and and that's the other thing is I just I th- more and more. Every church you go to, the worship sounds exactly the same. And I just think it would be more, the bride of Christ would be even more beautiful if it embraced its diversity and where there was different sounds in different churches. So I'm also trying to support that. And and it's happening, so it's fun. And with that exposure, um, you'll get some, some covers from maybe a well-known singer or an artist, and that gets them more exposure too. Yeah, and I mean, I put in there, you know, I have a few publishers I have relationship with, and and you know, it's a it's a it's not a huge chance that a song will get published by them, but I I am gonna let them, I'm gonna send it to them, let them hear it, and and uh, so the little guy is also excited to have that possibility. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to say the little guy. That sounds bad. But I know. It's just independent. Yeah, independent, <laughs> differentiating from the guy that's signed to a label and has got, you know, albums coming out every year or, or song releases going out to radio or whatever else. Yeah. You've, you've written a few songs. <laughs> yeah. I've written a lot of songs, but it doesn't mean they're any good. <laughs> I've written a whole bunch of them. <laughs> Well, you've got, I mean, I, um, he knows my name. I mean, that was, that was huge a number of years ago, but it's still, you know, timeless. Um, I, I think that's a, an awesome song. I, I can remember singing that in church. Um, Morning into Dancing, you've got a whole bunch of them that really uh, anybody could hear on a, you know, any given Sunday in church. Yeah, I am very blessed. I'm very grateful that God allowed me to, find a church that allowed me to write for my church (laughs) yeah yeah um you've also done a lot of traveling you've been all over the place you you even did some stuff with uh, promise keepers which which i guess tied up a lot of weekends because that's typically when all the men get together for a weekend or whatever um obviously that's you know made life busy in the past for you um I, i was wondering if we could talk a little bit about uh, burnout, because I, I know with with the last couple of years, the you know the pandemic that we're in, um, pastors in general have first of all had a totally different job description, and 
uh, it's meant a lot of, uh, and of course, membership or, or attendance in church may be down physically, but, but also, uh, you know, online. Um, so that's been a stress factor for them. But it's also been a learning curve for uh, doing things differently, doing worship differently. It's now, you know, online versus necessarily in person. So it's the adapting to new technology. It's it's been a crazy, crazy busy schedule trying to meet the needs of the church. So what have you done? What have you done over the last X amount of years, but also specifically in the last couple of years? Yeah, it's a, it's a great topic. Um, the The two biggest things that have helped me is number one, you have to really contend to believe that God is at work, that God is using you, that when I get up and get ready for church and do my rehearsal and do whatever it all it is and to do it, if, I, if I'm actually believing that eternity is being transacted through my life, then, man, I, I don't care what the hassle is. I or how many people are there, or anything. I mean, I'm good. But if I'm not sure <laughs> if anything's going on, I am discouraged and I'm burned out. I'm forgetting, it's First Corinthians 15:58. I, I could be wrong on that, but it says, always work enthusiastically for the Lord because you know that anything and everything you do for Him is never in vain. That's the swim of my life versus and um, so if I, can, if I can keep believing that, I can keep going. The other thing that helps me hugely is to stay creative. You know, I always tell songwriters, like, no one's going to beg you to write another song. It's, it's like a garden. It's your garden. Nobody's going to tend your garden for you. You have to do it. You have to get up in the morning and write that song or whatever your or write that sermon in such a way that it, it has creative parts to it that you didn't do before or whatever. And when you bring your, your creativity, meaning really fresh new ideas and freshness to it, you, you have a bounce in your step. You're excited. You can't wait till Sunday. But sometimes we forget and we, we just think it's up to somebody else to do that. But So when I, I for, for me, songwriting... Uh, at my church was uh, honestly this is the honest truth a big part of it was survival because it is those as you know those weekends are relentless man they come quick yeah and and um you are tired and so if i was just doing the the top 20 ccli songs over and over again every week for me i just couldn't handle it but if i if i'm adding one of my own new vamps to it or a new song or or whatever it would be even some sort of new media or video to it or whatever then i'm like i'm kind of excited to see how god's going to use it so those two things have have helped me greatly along the way and and yeah it's over 30 years now <laughs> i've been at my church i i always say it's kind of like uh you know if i was because worship leaders, uh, they usually only last two or three years at a church. Yeah. So, like, if you counted me, you know, worship leader church years and dog years, like, I've been at my church for, like, 150 years. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's one way to look at it. Yeah, the, uh, what does that uh, say? Three years for a worship leader or a worship pastor. Um, what is that? Maybe five years for a youth pastor? Or is it less than that? Yeah, I think it's less than that as well. Yeah, so. But it's it's hard. It's it's. I'm not lessening how hard it is, you know. Yeah, it, it's, it's uh, it, you definitely have to have a calling for it. Um, with all the stuff going on, like you said, a, a weekend is a, is a write-off time-wise, uh, and it's exhausting. Uh, I can remember in a church I used to attend, I was there for many, many years, we had three services, two in the morning and one at night, and I did the math one day because I was the sound guy, and I did the math. I was, I was in church on that Sunday for a good eight hours. Like, it was a full-time job in a sense, <laughs> and it was exhausting because the, then you wonder after the weekend, you know, i got to go back to work on Monday morning, and, and I don't feel I've had any rest. I just feel, you know, whipped. Um, yeah. So what do you do? Um, you know, how do you manage your time between Sunday service and all the, you know, responsibilities you have in the church, whether it be, you know, the clerical stuff and the admin stuff, and then, you know, the, the wanting to spend time to form the relationships with the worship team and also writing music? Like, how do you, how do, you do all that? Yeah, well, there are a couple more things on the subject that reminds me of, and one of them is I I treat my Monday Sabbath okay, yeah. very seriously. You know, obviously my whole life, weekends is when I'm on, I'm working, you know. And so when Monday comes around, I don't do anything. I only, anything to do with what I do, you know. So that's... Uh, uh, really helpful. And then the other thing I, I do, and I try to remind worship leaders about this, is I pace myself throughout the year or through, let's say, throughout each month. So I might have a kind of complicated weekend where I've got new songs and I've got videos that we've made as part of it or whatever kind of high production. And then the next week, and we've done this for years at, at our church, it's like about every five weeks, We'll just do, we just call it Acoustic Sunday, mm -hmm. and it is simple. But it's powerful because it reminds everyone, look, it's not about the show. It's about the presence of God. It's just about coming and seeking Him and connecting with God. So so then on that weekend, my prep, I mean, I'm, I'm like doing it with like one singer and maybe one musician. My prep is almost zero. And it's, it helps me get ready for the next week, which I'm going to ramp up again. And uh, that's another way to last for the long haul. But there's also, there's a part of it, like, I don't know how else to say it. It's just, it's work, you know. It's mm -hmm. like, I think that, I don't know, I think maybe in some ways in this day and age we live, we, we think work is it's like if it's hard it's wrong or bad it's like well well no work is work and work is hard so yeah. part of it is just having some uh, i don't know just some tenacity to just know it's going to be hard but i can do it i can do all things through christ and you just keep going <laughs> if you're in a job you love it, it's hard but it can still be fun that's right 
And that's kind of the way I, my philosophy is. And I like what you said about your your Monday Sabbath. I've really tried to do that on Sundays now, especially, <laughs> i got to say, especially with the pandemic. Um, a lot of people haven't been able to physically go into work. They have a lot of people working from home. Uh, for me, I was, I'm was i still going into work every day, have since the beginning of this whole thing. So I haven't had a quote-unquote break in that sense. But what I have done is I've taken advantage of Sundays where um, my wife and I go to church online and it's, it's you know, we're still getting up, we're still, but we're in the living room by a certain time to watch the online service. And then for the rest of the Sunday, I'm just chilled, I'm just relaxed. I remember yesterday I, I was... Uh, I was lying on my couch just reading a book, and then my my mom, who just moved into our city, dropped by for lunch unexpectedly, and that was fine. You know, she stayed, and we just kind of chilled, and then as soon as she was gone, I'm back on the couch reading my book again and just did absolutely nothing. And it was it was amazing, because I felt well-rested after it. Saturdays, for me, is errand day. You know, it's getting all the, doing the laundry, doing the cleanup, doing this. I got to go and do this, take care of this. So Saturday, I know it's going to be busy. But, but I don't mind that if I know that Sunday is going to be resting. I really think that's great. You know, people really underestimate that God said, you need to work and you need to rest. Yeah. <laughs> and you really need to have a rhythm that is both. And work is a gift. And, uh, and if we could talk about that for, this for hours, that to have purpose in your life, especially eternal purpose, is a gift. And then rest is a gift. And uh, you must have both of them. I mean, think about it. God is telling us, yes, you need to rest. And by the way, you need to rest from <laughs> your phone, you know, from your oh, yeah. your your screen time. Because like, that's, we don't need to get into that, but just staring at your phone is not rest. So. It's funny, I, you see, especially in January, you see a lot of people saying, I'm, I'm taking a social media break for a week or two weeks or three weeks. And that's, I think that's great. Uh, for me, I think it would be better if you take a more um, long-term approach to it. It's not just taking a break for, you know, completely shutting off social media for two, three weeks or a month or whatever, why not make it part of your daily practice where you're going to only spend X amount of hours per week on social media or X amount of minutes per day and then shut it off so that you can, you know, be present where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And it's just like anything in our life. Like, it's just that this is new in the world. It's like, you know, you shouldn't eat chocolate cake every day, you know? <laughs> like, we, we already know that, but... I didn't know that was a thing. I, I'm going to have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> or three times a day, every day. You know, there's things that are, they're not necessarily bad, but they can be bad. You know, you know my yeah, point. Yeah, so. it, it, it catches up with uh, you in the end. And I think that's the problem with, with you know, technology in a sense, because... Um, you kind of rely on it, but um, yeah. if it becomes too prevalent in your life, maybe it's consuming too much of your time, then, then maybe it shouldn't. Yeah, and, and something else I think about is, if you think about it, we're, we're all like extreme content consumers. Like, we have this device, so 24 hours a day we're consuming somebody else's opinion or somebody else's video or song or dance or joke or whatever it is and um somebody else's offended rant about politics or whatever all it is <laughs> and 
And I just think, and I'm, I'm sure this is the songwriter in me, it's like, maybe we should all think about being more on the creating end than the consuming end, or at least even it out. And, and on that, whatever you're creating, make it something God-glorifying and something beautiful and something helpful. And I just think that's such a healthier way to live because the process of developing and creating and doing it for the glory of God is just such a healthy way to live as opposed to just watching what everybody else is doing and sitting around. Yeah. I guess the only thing I would say to that in the creation of content is, as you said, to glorify God and for you and God versus to create content because I got to post something. Yeah. Right. Because then, well, then it's then that, it's more of a chore, and it's I got to do this because it's it's my image or whatever else, you know. Well, right, and that leads us into a, another subject for me is why are you releasing this content? Usually, you know, we've never been in a time where everybody on the planet has the potential to be famous or popular, yeah. <laughs> and um, and and on top of that, everybody can know exactly how famous you are because your views are right in front of everybody, and it can be such a trap. And I feel like I I have a lot to say about it because I've uh, you know on a very small degree I get it, but there was a time like in the early 2000s where my influence was much bigger than it is today so so you have this taste of again I realize it's all relative and it's much smaller compared to other people but it was much bigger than the average person so so you have this this influence and then and then all the social media starts coming out and you start doing things. And then your influence, as you get older, starts dropping. And if and it, it's this great challenge in your life. But wait a minute, am I, am I just doing whatever I'm doing to get views? And then you stop to think, well, this guy over here, he just did a video of his cat and he got two million views. You know, right. it can't be that I'm just trying to make views. Yeah. <laughs> you have to talk to yourself. And you have to think, I want to spend my time seeking God and, and creating and releasing content that's truly for God's glory and not for mine. And do my best work and then leave it to God as to what He wants to do with it. And, and, and to constantly be asking myself that question, whose glory am I fighting for? What team am I on? God's glory team or Tommy's glory team? You know? yeah, yeah. And uh, it's quite a interesting subject matter these days because now everybody's fighting for views. Yeah, I find what drives me nuts is when somebody's posting something online and, and talking about, I don't know, how amazing uh, you know, a service it was on Sunday or maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's a political... Uh, rant or whatever else but they post a picture of themselves it's like so is the purpose of that post to really talk about what you're talking about or is it because you've got a great selfie that you wanted to share with everybody <laughs> yeah. right and yeah but hey we all have to admit it yeah. we're all we're all prone we all want to be liked we all want to be popular i mean if you're a little second grade girl in her school class to 
president of the United States, everybody wants to be liked and popular. We have to fight it. But as Christians, we, we've been taught that a healthy life is a life that's fighting for God's glory and not our own. And so we can't pretend like it's not a fight for all of us. But we, we are acknowledging it, but we're trying to chase after the right thing. Yeah. Okay, enough of that, because we could go on for hours. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk new album. You've got a new album dropping. Um, my understanding is it's, it's kind of going down memory lane, uh, but there's a modern twist to it. Yeah, as a matter of fact, par- part of this, uh, you mentioned Promise Keepers, which I'm sure a lot of people have no idea what that was. It was a men's movement back in the late 90s where it was massive. I mean, at its height, when I was involved with it, we'd have like five stadiums in America all going on the same weekend and filled filled with men. And, mm-hmm. and it was really cool. It was very uh, multiracial and encouraging men to be integrous and love their wives and follow God and everything. It was really cool. And and uh, I got to lead worship in stadiums. It was really amazing. But part of that time is is I was I grew up with the hymns and, and I thought, you know, I love hymns, but it seems like hymns don't have choruses you know, as a mm-hmm. songwriter. So I just started adding little choruses to the hymns. And then some of those got recorded. As a matter of fact, the, the biggest Promise Keeper event was called Stand in the Gap, and it was at the mall in Washington, D.C. There was over a million men there. And I remember being up there, and every hundred yards there was another jumbotron. It was just massive. And they started those, a chorus to A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and they started the event with it. It was like such an amazing experience to hear a million men sing something you wrote in your little church office yeah. <laughs> the week, the year before. But anyways, I started doing that. And then the other thing that um, came to me was I grew up hearing the hymns. And I, and for, for me, and I realized the hymns through the centuries have been the great um, generational, worship generational connectors. Like they've really connected old worshipers with young worshipers. And I, I think they still have the power to do that. So... So the uh, Generation Hymns 3 is coming out in March. And so there's there's young and old together on it. But yeah, it's very contemporary versions. But for me, I mean, it's all good however anybody wants to do it. I like to keep the original melodies, but then bring contemporary grooves to it and these added choruses. And yeah, so and uh, I, I did it with my daughter... Eileen Walker, who is 20 years old, and um, so we represent the generations and just had a blast doing it. We did it at Bethesda Community Church in Fort Worth with some amazing singers there, uh, uh, Jovan and Gerard Woods and um, Brent Brunson, and uh, yeah, real excited about it. We have one of the singles is out already, Power in the Blood, a lot of you will know that. I will say this about hymns, and I, I led worship in my church many years ago. I don't anymore because uh, I talk for a living now, and uh, 
I, I would always lose my voice by, by Monday morning, so I can't afford to lose my voice if I talk for a living. But uh, the church that I attended, the pastor, the lead pastor, his mandate for the worship leaders was he wanted at least one hymn uh, in the in the time of praise and worship. And the reason for that is because he wanted to make sure that everybody, every age, could participate in worship together. And there's always, you know, those old timers that will say, oh, I love the hymns, I love the hymns. And so I very often would get the the older people in the, in the congregation coming up to me after the service saying, oh, love that song, love that song, so glad you sang it, versus, you know, the new stuff. And I like when there's a new variation of the song done anyways like the, the uh, a hymn is done in a new contemporary way because that lets the older generation appreciate it still but the younger generation is like oh cool new song yep exactly that's that's exactly you just described what we are releasing perfectly that's yeah. what we call it generation hymns yep i mentioned it but five and a half years ago i I just decided it was just also part of my my life season. I just wanted to give all my music away, including the charts and performance tracks and anything I created. And I thought, let's let's do a instead of charging for anything, so people internationally, anybody anywhere, could have anything that I do and see if we could fund it with with donations. And it's it's happened, and we have people contributing from all over the world and we we've had actually uh, a hundred all of the whatever it says the 195 countries have all come to our website and we've given away actually we counted like a hundred thousand of our our charts and, and instructional videos and different things uh, to people and it's just a real joy and tommywalkerministries.org I just wanted to be able to mention it it's it's been such a blessing to give it all away and maybe even an example for another creative person out there to to consider doing something like that for your for your own art so we, I encourage you to take advantage of anything free we're doing and of, of course in March we'll we'll have when you get the the hymns album we'll have the free charts on, for it on our site in fact the power and the blood song and chart is already up there and if you want uh, the actual choral arrangements and orchestration, you can go to prismmusic.com. So, anyways, it's been such a joy to do it, and I really appreciate you having me on and getting to mention that, and it's been a wonderful blessing to talk to you. Well, thank you, Tommy, for hanging with me. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Tommy Walker on Between the Grooves. Make sure you check out his website, tommywalkerministries.org. You can find the links to his music, events, and social media. It's time now for some artist advice. Here's Logan Kane from the family group, Kane. So my standing advice is I believe part of what took us so long is we didn't fall in love with writing songs really until this, this new process started. So we wrote almost 100 songs in 2019 as a group. Um, and so my advice to anybody that's pursuing music as a new artist is write, write all the time, write every bad thing you can think of because you got to write all your bad songs to start writing your good songs. And the best way to build relationships within your musical community is to write together. So I just encourage any new artist to just dive in and start writing and don't feel like you have to 
write, I can only imagine every time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, just get <laughs> yeah. in there and yeah. do the work and start writing. Don't stop writing. Some great advice from Logan. And thank you to Tommy Walker for being our guest this week on Between the Grooves. That is it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for new episodes. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. That just helps us reach more people. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Between Grooves. We'll see you next time. <laughs>